Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Gato Axe, counsel at Lydian in Belgium. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are connecting with three of our Baltic States members with the Alex Group. Joining us on the program are Hanna Pak, Senior Associate at Alex Reidla in Estonia, Ins Skaldis, Associate at Alex Klavens in Latvia, and Rimanta Stanevicius, expert at Alex Valinas in Lithuania. Certainly, we who practice labor and employment law appreciate the value HR policies provide in creating organization, consistency, and compliance within a company. Our attorneys will be updating us today on the HR policies in the Baltic states and sharing their insights about these policies that will be most helpful to employers in these jurisdictions. Hanna, Ins, and Rimantas, welcome to the program. How are you today? Hi, Kato. We are fine. Hi, Kato. Happy to meet you. Hi, Kato. Greetings from Estonia. Hi. It's so great to have you all here. Well, HR policies, I'm very curious to hear all about it in your jurisdictions. If any, are some HR policies in your jurisdiction mandatory to have? Are there any thresholds that apply? Let's start with Rimantas, perhaps. So, Basically, we have a list of mandatory policies, which no matter how business is structured, they have to be in place, at least from a legal perspective. And some of them are related to respective thresholds of employee numbers. So quickly to list them. So any company should have respective policies dealing with health and safety of employees. This is not related to number of employees at the company. The same applies to data protection policies due to GDPR and related requirements. So after that, we go to the short list of policies, which is related to the number of employees. And once the company grows over 20 employees, it has to impose a remuneration policy, dealing with remuneration benefits and issues like that. And once the company is 50 or bigger, it should also have equal opportunity policy and whistleblowing policy. I guess the content sounds from the name of this policy. So that would be the situation for Lithuania. Okay, very interesting. And what about Latvia? In Latvia, the situation is quite similar. It's in respect to these health and safety and labor protection policies, we have the same as well as in respect to data policies. But there are general HR policies, which are called internal working regulations that are applicable for all employers that have at least 10 employees working in the undertaking. It is mandatory to have such policies, uh, such internal regulations, and they usually govern work and rest organization in the company, rules of conduct and similar procedures. There are also some policies that must be implemented if there's a higher threshold, and the main one is the whistleblowing policy, which comes from the EU directives, but we also had it before. But so if there's a 50 or more employees in the company, it's mandatory to have a whistleblowing policy. And the rest of the policies, of course, they can be implemented below the thresholds provided in the law at the discretion of the employer or at the convenience. Another thing that I wanted to point out is that sometimes HR policies do not need to be implemented only based on the law. For example, it is possible that there are collective bargaining agreements concluded between employer and the employees or representatives. And if such collective agreements provide that the employer must establish specific HR policies that have to be implemented in the, in the undertaking, then the employer will also be responsible for that. Okay. Very interesting. And you mentioned the internal regulations. Is that some sort of employee handbook then? 
It can be quite similar to employee handbook, but in practice, it's quite broader in the sense what it can it can comprise. It can comprise general group procedures, also can comprise data processing. Generally, it can be comprised as one regular manual, but also it can be divided into different set of separate HR policies. Okay, I see. That's very interesting because we have a similar concept in Belgium. So every employer who employs personnel on Belgian territory, even if it's just one employee, needs to have work regulations. And I always compare it to an employee handbook, just explain it to, you know, foreign companies starting employment in Belgium because it contains a number of regulations and it sounds very similar as the one that you have. Well, unfortunately, you have it from the first employee. We have 10 employees and only we're <laughs> bound to establish those. But it's always something that's good to have the clear set of rules and procedures for everyone. Interesting. And Hannah, last but not least, what's uh, the situation on HR policies in Estonia? Yeah, in that sense, it's far from what you described about Latvia or even Belgium. Basically, there are no policies that are mandatory under Estonian law. And it doesn't even depend on the number of employees you have employed in your company. So basically, in practice, the internal work regulations are still applied, but usually it depends on practical reasons. So basically, the bigger the company grows, the more reasonable it will be to establish such internal policies to make it easier for the employer to basically handle all the matters what they might face on a daily basis. But yes, like Rimantas mentioned that the GDPR resulted in, in, in establishing basically also policies which are mandatory. I do agree with that, but I'm not sure if, if that can be fully be classified as, as HR policies, because I think they also relate to other topics. But, but generally, as yes, the data processing guidelines is one thing that you should have. Thank you, Hannah. It seems like there are some differences between your jurisdictions when it comes to mandatory HR policies. So that's very good to have an overview. And then if a company decides to implement an HR policy or if it has to implement an HR policy, what is the process that needs to be followed? Are there any information and consultation duties towards employees? And I should have done this for the first question, but let's start with ladies first. Hannah, how is that in Estonia? There is no strict procedure for implementing the policies. In practice, usually it is either done on paper when you would ask the employee for their signature that they have familiarized themselves with, with the policy, or it could be done, for example, by sending the policies to the employees by email so that they would confirm the receipt. Or the third option would be to have the policies basically available via intranet or some uh, web page. And then the employees have the opportunity to read them there and, for example, tick a box that they have done so. Uh, what would be important from the company's perspective is that the employer should be able to prove that the employees have indeed familiarized themselves with the policies, because in case of dispute, it, it might lead to problems otherwise. And so when the company is drafting the policy, do they have to consult the employees on the topic before the policy is final? Generally not, but there is only one general provision in the Employees Trustee Act, which means that if the employees have elected a representative for themselves at the employees general meeting, then this person is the employees trustee. 
And if the company anticipates some changes which would affect the work organization as such substantially, then the company should consult with this person or otherwise with the with the employees themselves. But the law doesn't describe or explain what these substantial changes are. Okay, interesting. And how about Lithuania, Remandas? What does the um, information and consultation process look like there? We, contrary to Estonia, we have such requirement. And basically, we have a list that this, 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 and this policy should be informed and consulted if requested. But it's open-ended. And as Hannah mentioned, we have more or less the same. That it is substantial material change or affects material aspects of the employee sort of life and employment. It should be in the informed and consulted. So if a regular employer doesn't want to get into the trouble, the easiest way is to inform and consult about everything. <laughs> and when it comes to the procedure, so everything starts with the information to the works council, if we have one that, look, guys, we are going to implement this and that policy. So main requirement is such that it should be done before adaptation of the policy. So this is the draft, but it is not to enforce at this point. And if Works Council, once they can initiate the consultations about the document. And what probably is the most important here to note that also the consultations are necessary, but the Works Council doesn't have so-called veto right. We can't say that, look, we are not happy about this policy and no, 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 it, it won't be enacted. So the parties should inform, the parties should consult, should adhere to each other, you know, arguments, counter-arguments. But at the end of the day, the last word might be after the employer. Of course, if all, it is always better, you know, to have an agreement. And once this procedure is passed, information necessary, consultation is requested, if requested. So basically, this is everything as is requirement for adaptation of the policy. And after that, situation is more or less similar as in Estonia, that employees definitely have to be informed that this and that policy was implemented. Just I would say that in Lithuania, we are not so flexible about just putting the document in the intranet and saying to everybody that, look, guys, uh, this is the document, please take your time and read it. We would usually advise to have more substantial evidences that they did read, they did understand some feedback, the ticking or putting signatures usually is better. So that would be for Lithuania. Okay, very interesting. And it's good that you made the distinction between information and consultation, because at least in my experience, that is something employers often ask. What does that look like? What does that mean? And consultation also in Belgium does not mean you need your approval. You just need to discuss it with them and answer questions they might have listen to any proposals they have, but it's ultimately the employer's decision. So I understand that's the same then in your jurisdiction, right? Yeah, right. Okay, very interesting. And then going to Latvia, what about the process in Latvia? In Latvia, the process is such that there is no general information and consultation obligation in respect to implementation of any HR policies or even the same internal working regulations, except for the fact if there are any kind of employee representatives, either elected representatives or any trade unions. In such case, employer must always consult before implementation of any such internal working regulations. And in practice, sometimes the rules for consultation are also applied to other types of HR policies. 
The main thing about the procedure is that similarly as with internal working regulations, all these internal documents and policies should be drafted in two months after we have commenced the preparation of them. But in practice, of course, this is something that is not commonly checked or confirmed. This can take from some weeks up to even way more than two months. And of course, the main idea is that the employee representatives always have the right to consult and be informed about any changes that will have any impact on the employees in the company and give their own contribution and opinion how some things could be organized or done better. And this is this uh, social dialogue between the employer and the employee's representatives to achieve the best possible outcome for everyone involved. But in practice also, it has become more popular in recent years to also consult not only with these representative bodies, but also with employees directly, because this is somehow how employers can achieve even way better results. And after such HR policies are, policies are drafted, similarly, as Hannah and Romantis said, also, it is the employer's obligation to introduce them all employees to such policies, regardless if it's in trainings or providing employees these policies for reading. And of course, since since it is the responsibility of the employer to ensure that all employees are aware of these HR policies, then the employer must be able to produce some sort of evidence to confirm that he has fulfilled this obligation. Either it's a wetting signature, either it's an electronic signature, or also if there are these intranet or other internal systems used in the company where each and every employee has a separate profile and we can identify who carries out any actions, then it would be also possible to give such confirmation online, whether it's by a tick or, or otherwise that can be reproduced and, and serve as an evidence that the employer has fulfilled the obligation of, of introducing the policies. That makes sense, I think. Thank you for that clarification. I can totally relate to that. Of course, employees need to be able to know what's in the policies if they have to comply with them. So I think that's the same in, in most jurisdictions, but very interesting. Thank you so much. Another thing that I perhaps just wanted to add is also that in respect to HR policies and these procedures, it's quite important, and I think it could be similar in other jurisdictions, but these policies have to be available to employees at all times. Namely, it would not be sufficient in Latvia that the employees are explained or have read this policy, and then afterwards they will have to somehow go and request it. The policies must be available either in the work premises or on this company's intranet or somewhere so that the employee could always have access to them to know know what this particular policy or procedure is that I need to follow. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, and it needs to be a document that, you know, is lived by by the company. I often recommend clients, it's great to have fantastic, fancy policies, but if they're somewhere in a closet, no one reads them, you know, they're useless. So, well, very, very interesting. And what are the common matters regulated by HR policies in your in your jurisdictions? Hannah, how is that in Estonia? Yeah, well, basically, given that there are no mandatory policies, then basically, if the company does not have any policies, it would mean that they would need to indicate in the employment contracts themselves a lot more than they usually want to. So for that reason, the policies are, are good to have. And very simple things, for example, the starting time and the end time of the working day, as well as as the lunch breaks and such things are usually regulated in the policies instead of uh, regulating them in the contract. The same applies, for example, with respect to summarized working time. If, If the company uses it, then like the 
practicalities about how it is calculated and when the working schedules should be made available to the employees, etc. These are the things what could be also then included in the policies and described there. For example, the procedure of applying for and, and granting the annual holidays. And you, Ins, what are the common matters regulated by HR policies in Latvia? It's quite interesting because Hannah mentioned everything that you are mandatory to have in the internal working regulations. So it's also quite a good start. But in addition to what Hannah already said in Latvian HR policies, you must also have the time, place and manner of payment of remuneration. Since it can be quite different between different kinds of employees, it's quite better that we have a common policy or system on how the remuneration is organized in the company. Also, another thing that must be covered are these particular measures for protection of the well-being of employees. I mean, uh, work safety, labor protection matters. These are usually prepared in separate policies and are quite different for different categories of employees because they are mostly based on, on the work environment risk assessments made in the company and, and are particularly tailored for employees working in special division sections or for particular work. And another thing that is something that you can provide and is also mandatory is the rules of conduct of employees um, or other, other rules relating to working arrangements in company. It can be also like uh, communication to the clients, to customers, communication with other employees, code of conduct, best practices, sometimes even dress code. So this is something that can always be addressed in the HR policies to have these standards in the company. So it's very broad, actually. Whatever the employer thinks is important for their company, they can have an HR policy on. Yes, I think so. And also, it's quite nice that HR policies is something that the employer can change unilaterally in most cases. You only have to inform the employees about these changes and, and have them understand it. Earlier, it was deemed that it's quite important to include everything in the contracts, but If you want to change something that's included in an employment contract, then we have to agree on this change. By making references to HR policies, the employer has his hands more free to change something when it's necessary for business. Yeah, that's very similar to Belgium. Again, the, the policies, yes, as, as you mentioned, for Belgium, it would be the same. An employer can change those policies unilaterally as long as those changes are communicated to the employees so that they're enforceable. With one exception for the work regulations, because that's the mandatory document we mentioned. And there you have to follow a strict process where there is, you know, back and forth with the employees, either the works cancel or, or the employees on what the content of those changes are in there. You know, they have the, the right to make comments to that. Is that similar? It would be similar, but only in case if there were these employee representatives with the employees, it would be quite easy for an employer to unilaterally change also these internal working regulations. Okay. And then, Ramantas, how is the situation in Lithuania? What are the common matters regulated by HR policies there? I would join my colleagues in this list, which basically already covered both so-called hard stuff, such as working time and things like that, that are mandatory and must be regulated, I guess, in any company, as well as soft stuff as business ethics, communication style, behavior with the clients among each other. And as you correctly got to mention some time ago, whatever employer thinks is important in the company, it can give rise to new policy. And what I would probably add, what is quite advisable in Lithuania, 
when it comes to strict rules, a violation of works ethics or works process, we do not have a long list what is considered a sort of gross misconduct or serious breach with, which might lead to immediate dismissal. So we usually advise our clients just consider two, three, max five points that are crucial to your business and put them very precisely in your either this internal work regulation or an, any document you have and just name to the employees that this is crucial and this might lead to immediate dismissal due to your fault. So such a small addition from our side. I think that's a very smart one. It's very good that you mentioned that. It would be similar in Belgium. You know, an immediate termination for cause can have many reasons, but it's up to the company to decide what they think is very important. And I once had a case where a safety instruction was not followed by an employee, but there was nowhere a policy on safety. And obviously, one would say safety is important for every company, but this was a chemics company. They were producing chemicals on site, and so it was very important for them. But the infraction committed by the employee was so minor. It was, you know, like just crossing a line or something like that. And there the judge said, well, you need to be consistent. Either it's super important and you want all employees to abide by it every time they enter the company premises, but then you need to have a policy on it or it's just a minor infraction and then it's not a reason to terminate for cause. So I think it's very good advice, Romantis, that you're giving there and it would totally be, be applicable in Belgium as well. Okay, going on to the next question. So now we know what we can have policies on. We know how to implement the policies. I was wondering, and it's actually maybe something very typical for Belgium, but I'm just curious to know. In Belgium, you need to draft policies in the local language. And as you may know, we have three official languages. We have Dutch, French, and German. And so depending on the business seat of the employer, all policies would have to be translated into local language. Do any of you have a similar obligation to use local language? Let's start with INS. Yes, it's quite interesting because Latvian labor law does not say that you have to translate HR policies to, to the local language. It only says that you must have the employment contract in Latvian at all times. However, we have a quite strict official language law in Latvia, which actually requires you to translate any documents that are related to employment to the local language, which would be Latvian in this case. So namely, the key factor in whether these HR policies have to be translated is whether they have any real impact on the conduct or carrying out the work by the employee. Because if these are some sort of good-to-have instructions which do not anyhow affect the employee's work, I would say that it's debatable and there might be situations when it's not. But we speak about HR policies that are directly affecting the employment, whether it's for the benefits, salaries, or internal conduct, uh, health and safety, and anything. They, of course, must be available in Latvian language. And another thing is that locally, anytime that their authorities are making these inspections or any other control events, it's mandatory to have these documents available in Latvian. So even if we're speaking about group policies and everyone in the company speaks English, which is typically the case, even in such cases, you will have to be able to produce all these HR policies and documents for review in, in Latvian language. Interesting. Again, a similarity with Belgium then. And how about Estonia, Hanna? It's a bit different here. The Language Act does not set out the requirement that, that all the policies must be in Estonian. 
it rather says that the employees have the right to request the policies in Estonian. But in bigger corporations, like Dins mentioned, where the corporate language is English, for example, then basically the company does not have the obligation as such to provide them uh, in Estonian in the first place. But if someone then requests, then they, all, of course, should, should do that. And it will also come in question, for example, in case of, in case of employment disputes, because in such case, the proceedings are in Estonian, and then either the company or the employee should then be able to provide the documents in Estonian as well. And what about Lithuania, Romantas? In Lithuania, we have such a requirement to have all documents translated in Lithuanian language. So we're closer to majority on this panel, so to speak. But just to make the situation a bit more complex, let's say usually this becomes a problem for the bigger employers and foreign investors who have a number of policies and the simple cost of translation is considerable in this situation. So we usually ask, so if we do not provide at least not so important policies in Lithuania, what then? So we have these discussions with colleagues and usually we tend to think that this doesn't automatically mean that this policy will sort of be unenforceable. It might be the case, but not automatically. And the, probably the biggest risk that the employee will say, look, I am Lithuanian, I know English to some extent, but not so much that I understand the legal text. And this is probably the biggest issue that if you have something so important that you do not want to allow any excuses in fulfillment, then probably the translation is better, something similar as Inns mentioned for, for Latvia. But if it is not so important, so maybe we can sort of play around. Some companies even put it vice versa, that putting into the so-called language policy that, look, our official language is English. Yes, we uh, respect local language and we'll provide you the translation, but we expect you to understand English and we provide all documents in English. And if you do not ring the bell that I do not understand this paragraph or that paragraph, we consider you understand everything. So please fulfill. That's a good approach. I think that's very smart of employers. I think in Belgium, it's stricter than it is in your jurisdictions because our sanction in most cases is that the policy would be null and void and it cannot be used against the employee in any context, even if you can prove that the employee understands English. And it goes as far as case law saying that, for instance, for a bonus plan, which I know you can consider that as a, some sort of policy at least, saying that the, the policy is null and void, but the, the law says that it cannot be to the detriment of the employee. Which basically means for that case law that the targets are null and void, but the bonus amount isn't. And the employee can claim the bonus amount without even reaching the target. So that's very far reaching. And it's sometimes difficult to explain to foreign companies when they are, are doing business in Belgium. But um, language is a very important topic for all of our jurisdictions. So that's, that's good to highlight that here as well. And I think it brings us to our last question on global policies, because oftentimes those global policies will, of course, be in English. And many clients want to implement as much as they can global policies that apply everywhere. And they do not want to go for each jurisdiction having separate policies with separate, separate annexes, etc. So I was wondering in your jurisdictions, how do you implement group policies and what do you do when you have to adjust them on a local level? Let's perhaps start with Hannah. Yes, generally 
since Estonian law does not require them to be translated, then it's a bit easier. But the policies should nevertheless be reviewed and, and adjusted according to local law. So it might be that whatever they have worked out in another country does not match <laughs> to the Estonian environment, so to say. Okay, interesting. And in Lithuania, Romantas? We have more or less the same that you have to, in one or another way, adapt these policies, at least in those cases where sort of implemented uh, concept and Lithuanian law is too far away. And it's usually made in two ways. One way is in the form of certain local annex, so to speak. We do not touch the global policy. It remains the same as in all other countries. But we add local annex stating that, okay, this process does not work in Lithuania like in the policy, but we apply this and that instead. And if we are lucky, this annex is not as long as the policy, but, you know, it depends on what policies we are dealing with. Other clients or other companies which are not so strongly orientated to have one policy, which is sort of unilateral at all companies, they allow us to make changes within the policy. Of course, we're trying to make them as short as possible. But in such case, basically, we have the local policy based on the global policy. And as for language, we already discussed that we have this requirement, but there are some ways to at least to try to go around. Yeah. And when it comes to global policies, at least a trick I've learned is you add insofar as permitted by local law, which usually satisfies many problems and make sure that they can apply their global policy without having to change too much to it. And then last but certainly not least is how about Latvia? How is it there? I think that firstly, it's quite uh, important to remember, similarly, what just Kato said, that any provisions of such uh, global HR policies that would be contradictory to local laws would be also void in Latvia. It's not possible to enforce them here. So it is always a situation that we have to actually tailor these group policies for them to work in, in, in our uh, local jurisdiction. And usually this is something that is done in cooperation between the local manager, HR, and of course, lawyers. And as we already mentioned, we try to detail these global policies to the extent so that they could actually be practically enforced. The main issue, I think, is sometimes to retain the general principles and core values and ideas that are behind these group policies and to actually tailor them to work for the business locally. And this is something that cannot be done only by the lawyers. And this is why I think always it's quite important to also involve management and HR just to retain the main principles, but that have it working smoothly for the local jurisdiction. And another thing that I, uh, in practice, is quite important. Many companies believe that adopting group policies makes them binding on the whole group level. But it's not the case because insofar this policy has not been confirmed by the local legal entity or local employer. This policy cannot become binding to the local employees. Of course, on, if we speak on a management level, management is always somehow bound by the shareholders and the management group decisions made, which is some, something that's usually regulated in their contracts. But at the same time, we must remember that local employees sometimes are not aware of what's happening on a group level. They are not aware of these group policies. And just if we want the local employees to comply with these policies, then we have to adjust them locally, implement them 
inform the employees about them, introduce them and have them sign for understanding confirmation and undertaking to comply with them. So, so it works in everyone's favor from, from, from the top to the bottom. Yes, I think that's a very good summary of our discussion. You're totally right. I think HR policies are a very useful tool for employers to govern how they deal within the company with uh, rules and terms and conditions of employment. But of course, it's a document that needs to be drafted in line with reality. And you can put all the rules and regulations on a on a nice piece of paper. But if that's not going to apply in practice, then yeah, you shouldn't have the policy because then it can even be used against you for not complying with your own HR policies. So thank you for that summary, Ince. That was very interesting. And thank you all, Hannah, Ince, and Remantis. This has been a very interesting discussion. We trust that this discussion has been informative and useful for our listeners and for employers in your region and beyond. Thank you very much for your time. If you would like to connect with Hannah, Ince, and Remantas, please click on their bios in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts. Thanks for listening.